Welcome back, guys. This podcast is brought to you by RPG Coffee Company, a veteran-owned and operated socially responsible coffee company born to support members of the military, law enforcement, and firefighting communities by donating 50% of their profits. The true secret to living is giving. And don't forget to join the RPG Coffee Club today. Don't wait until you run out. Stay ready to rock by having RPG Coffee delivered straight to your door each month with our coffee club. All right, folks, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Bucks for America podcast. This is your host, Jeff Vance, and today I am at the Warren's Toma Shootout here at the Sportsman Alliance, and this is the HJUSA mission uh, number nine, right? Yeah, and it's uh, the first one of the season, and it's like I'm, I'm back with a repeat guest, Tyson Trunkhilt, and as we talked about the last time, we had him on talking about the dust-off project. This one right here is with him being back on here again for the second time. We're going to be able to bounce around and chit-chat about a bunch of fun stuff and what's going on and such and talk about his really soft, comfortable shirts. I mean, you got to pick up a pair. Pick up one. They're, they're legit, legit. I'm serious. Now, um, Tyson, man, how has your... It's been a year. I mean, just like everybody else's, changing times, the virus thing, that whatever your opinion on that is. Uh, for the outdoor industry, at least for archery, it's been a wild... Wild deer sales are very, very good because everybody wants to be out and about. Yeah. Tired of sitting in their house. Um, bows are on high demand, just like everything else. Prices are increasing because of supply shortages, the whole economics of supply and demand. Yeah. Um, longer wait times for everybody. It's not just archery industry, I guess. Lots of things are affected for longer wait times. Um, but yeah, it's been good. It's nice to see. New shooters, people that, you know, been kicking around the idea for a long time of wanting to get into archery or wanting to get into hunting archery or, you know, outdoor things in general, finally have the free time. I guess yeah. lives are slowed down a little bit, so they have free times and weekends off and, you know, they're not running around as much and get got the opportunity to get involved and dedicate some time to a new hobby or passion or whatever you want to call it. Um, so it's been good. Keeps me busy in the shop, so I have less free time than I wanted and doing less shooting myself, but um, it's cool meeting new people that have never touched a bow before, um, either regular customers or even dust-off project recipients um, that are available now to pursue a new hobby, I guess. That's very true. Like we, I had uh, Chris Dietz on yesterday, and he was floored about all the, the warm welcome he's gotten here and... and He's being very, like, it just feels very uh, warm and fuzzy inside, in a sense, because he met up with Chris and Chris Vega, and that's a common friend of all of ours, and Chris has been on the podcast, obviously, but it was kind of nice that that Chris met him and then got him into archery and get him introduced to you and got that sweet X7, and yeah. man, it's the rest uh, is history. Yeah, so we'll call them the Chris's. So the they were their friends. Um, Chris 1 sent Chris 2 to me for a dust-off project bow. Um, through generous donations from Expedition, we actually hooked Chris Dietz up with um, a bow that was belonged to the owner of Expedition, Mark Heck. Um, come to find out, I didn't know at the time that it was donated to us, but the bow that Chris two Chris Dietz ended up with was actually used by Mark Heck to shoot the number two world record red stag. Um, on a hunting trip, I believe it was in New Zealand. Yeah. So Chris Dietz actually for his job works in the area where Expedition's headquartered out of Decorah, Iowa here. And 
uh, stopped in to thank them for the donation. Yeah. You know, through my shop or through the dust off project and, uh, got to hear some cool stories about where that bow had actually been and what it had been used for. And now he's well on his way through his archery journey of becoming a brand new shooter onto hunting and 3D shoots and stuff like he was here for this past weekend or this weekend, I yeah, guess. Yeah, so, he was here for yesterday, just for yeah, yesterday. It's cool to see the growth and see where the products that were getting donated are actually going to and being put to use and guys using them for what we intended the dust off yes. project to be for in the first place. So it's very gotta cool. be very it's humbling. Watching it come that. full circle multiple times, you know, of you know, getting especially in his case where he actually got to go and meet the people that work at Expedition because of he was in the area. Um and, you know, and not just thanking me for what we do at the Dust Off Project, but you know, he met the guys that probably built that bow originally when they built it for Mark and mm-hmm. you know, it's really a full circle type event in his case. Yeah. So very cool. I'm still, I'm, I was talking to Chris yesterday because like I have met some really cool people and some awesome customer service and it's like I've been debating on what bow I want to go with next. It's like I really like the, the VXR. I really enjoy the Mountaineer X and it's like, uh, and um, I also like the the Dart and Maverick and it's like I don't have the enough, enough money to buy all three of them. I'm just trying to narrow down my options to figure out which one I want to go with. And I keep on going back to the Mountaineer X because when I shot it, at uh, Anthem there, when I met Kurt and a few a few of his other colleagues there, I really just fell in love with it, how the, the draw cycle fit me like a glove. Yep. Uh, yeah, I actually, well, besides being an expedition dealer, you know, so I have my personal collection, but I actually have a Mountaineer X that I built for myself, um, and I love it. it was, yeah. I shot it, would have been the the year it came out so two years ago exclusively i shot that only the whole summer for 3d shoots and stuff yeah and it's it's one that i haven't shot it much lately but it it won't leave my collection it was uh (laughs) and it was marketed as a price point bow which a lot of expeditions are if you look at their lineup there's you know entry level all the way up to you know the top flagship bows that compete with you know the fifteen hundred dollar hoits and stuff like that so there's There's a wide variety, um, used market for expeditions, very good. So if you're unsure, there's a lot of really great year or two old expeditions at fractions of cost. So yes. if you're not completely sold on making the jump to a new bow company that a lot of people haven't heard of, mm-hmm. um, it's a good way to get into it. You know, obviously I'd like to sell new bows, but anything I can do to help promote and get, get an expedition in somebody's hand, chances are. They're going to love it like most everybody else does, and they're going to go pick up a new new model, you know, from their local dealer or many of us dealers ship nationally, internationally. So mm-hmm. there's always that availability to get one in your hands, and we're the dealer network is very proactive about finding a local dealer for you if they're not your local dealer or getting one into your hands somehow. I've seen it multiple, multiple times through our Expedition Facebook pages and dealer yeah. pages like, Hey, somebody got this bow. I got a customer looking, you know, obviously they they might not get the sale, but they're going to get it to some shop that can take care of them. So it's a really cool dynamic through expedition, I guess, from yes. the bottom up or top down. Um, everybody's extremely helpful, uh, even, you know, through the whole process, I mm-hmm. guess it's not run like any other company that I'm even aware of. You can, you can jump on Facebook and talk to the executive vice president 
uh, you know, or Kurt Heddington, who's head of operations at, mm-hmm. at the factory, you know, and it's just weird how approachable and easy access you have to, you know, the people that run the company. Yeah. So when I had the pleasure to sit down with Kurt, he was just a nice guy. He was not, he was generous enough to give me a tour through the plant there in Anthem. I thought it was just fantastic. It's yep. like very basic setup and it works just flawlessly and all the whole process too. Yeah. So I was talking to the Chris's about uh, maybe doing something there at Anthem and going from there. But yeah, I didn't know you shot exclusively the Mountaineer X and it's like, yeah, I just, I can't find another bow that's just, it's just the way it, it, it just, it's the synergy for me and it, it's just, a, it's a good composite, comp, uh, a comparison for it. And what I like about it is a 34 axle axle. Yep. I like those longer bows, so I just feel more comfortable in them. I have a 31 axle axle right now. I enjoy it for a ground blind and tree stand, but it's like I've always been wanting to get out west, and that's one of the things I want to get back into because everybody say that they're a little bit more confident, a little more comfortable, the longer ATA when you start going out west, right? Yeah. When they're going after uh, antelope, mule deer, whitetail, elk. Yeah, it was... Uh... If you get really get into the nitty gritty details of people that do actual unbiased bow reviews, um, not paid advertisements that you see in a lot of those magazines. Yeah. Um, the Mountaineer X, when they got them into those trials, um, was highly underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, meaning the price you pay for that bow doesn't equate to the value that that bow would actually be worth. Yeah, exactly. Um, the cool thing about Expedition. Um, a lot of their components are modular, so the same limbs that you're going to find on the Mountaineer X are the same limbs that were throughout their whole lineup, and it's been like that for several years. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't make drastic changes. They try to reuse components, um, which keeps the cost down on them, and it, and if you're into the, I accidentally broke my bow type situation, <laughs> um, you can find used parts, you know, through the Expedition Network, I guess. Used parts are easier to come by where somebody did a limb swap and, you know, went to a heavier, lighter limb, or even just through your local dealers, they're not outrageously priced. Um, and a lot of their components through all their bows are, you know, that same way. So, mm-hmm. um, very different way of, uh, selling bows, I guess, and, and a different approach on the industry than a lot of the other companies have. So, User friendly, I guess, is a good way to put. That is very true. That's what that's what uh, Kurt was getting getting across. Especially everything's all machine made in America, so that's that's a big uh, aspect of the of the of the company and such. And so even yesterday, it's like I almost try fired my bow because like we got the last one. And you, you caught me. He's like, oh, I was about to draw back. I was like, I didn't, I didn't knock an arrow. So I was like, I got to put that back down real fast. He's like, yeah. well, I can always buy a new bow. And it's like, hey, he goes, I know a guy. <laughs> so how did your uh how did your fall hunt of twenty to twenty work out for you? Uh it was alright. I mean I I just enjoy hunting. You know, I'm I've never been and a lot of people say this and whether if it's true or not, I'm not an antler hunter. I just enjoy being in the woods. I enjoy hunting. Um I'm blessed to have a good friend through the army that he owns 63 acres of property that's about an hour from my house, and he's not a hunter. Yeah. His only requirement, uh, him being a farmer, is shoot all the deer that you can. <laughs> um, so, and I have exclusive rights to hunting property, so thanks, Ben, even though you probably never hear this because you're not a hunter. Yeah. Um, appreciate the opportunity he gives me to hunt his property. Um, so we do a lot of shooting does there to, to manage it the way he wanted it done. Yeah. 
Um, so this year, uh, four does for, I guess, antlerless, because that button buck counts as antlerless deer in Iowa. Um, so opening day, I shot, I've been out all day, I was an all day hunt, I normally take the day off from work, um, so October 1st, I take the entire day off, just to be out and get, get that sense, you know, get back in the woods and just enjoy the day, but, um, about two o'clock in the afternoon, I shot a button buck. I knew it was a button buck. It wasn't an accidental shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but just trying to get that monkey off my back early. Yeah. So I shot that one, um, at seven yards, I believe. Okay. Uh, it ran 30 yards piled up. So I recovered that one. Um, decided to stay in the stand just to see what else would happen. Uh huh. About the last 15 minutes of shooting time. Almost the exact same spot. I shot probably the largest doe I've ever even seen. This thing, it was probably five or six year old doe. Just wow. huge. Um, almost the exact same spot on the ground. Um, both of them were heart shots. Um, yeah. So using my expedition DLX, so a new 2020 bow at the time. Uh, so a real quick shout out to Killing Sticks Expedition. Um, annihilator broadheads. So everything, you know, all the things that we practice and work out through, you know, prior to season paid off. Mm-hmm. Patience paid off. So day one, two deer down, um, you know, within a couple hours of each other. So yeah, so that was good. And then a few weeks later, another doe, same spot on the ground. Exactly the same tree stand. Yeah. Um, that time I, I took an older, older model. It was new to me. So an expedition explorer SS I had set up. Anybody that follows me through Facebook or whatever, my Cheshire cat bow. Yes. Um, brightly colored, just something that I was playing around with. Um, I actually got it because I had some friends through the urban herd got together and gave me a saddle set up, I guess, a prototype saddle. Um, so I started collecting pieces to saddle hunt, which I never actually got around to, but I needed a shorter axe, axle bow. Yeah. So I got the 30 inch Explorer SS, set it up for myself, kind of decided to do something different and wild with it. And so I call it the Cheshire Cat. If you ever look it up, you'll see why. <laughs> but, uh, it's a, it's a sharp looking bow, uh, even though it's, it's fun. Yeah, everybody sees it and they're like, oh, it's got pink and purple and blue on it. Well, it's a women's bow. No, that's mine. <laughs> I don't care. I mean, it kills deer. We got proof of that. So, yeah. And it's just fun. Something different kind of shows off what we can do in the shop. And, uh, some of my other, like, atomic rods custom engraved the end cap on my stabilizer for yeah. me with a little Cheshire cat logo type thing. And, um, just kind of showing off what my suppliers and what my, uh, the people I pro staff for, I guess, uh, can do for us and do for, you know, show off their talents and their abilities too, besides my own. But yeah. So basically, if you get down on the ground, these first three deer, you could stand, you know, with your arms spread apart and cover the entire area, the ground where I was hunting, where these three deer were shot from. So that's apparently, you know, when you spend the time and understand the property, uh, that you're working on, uh, you just pattern them and figure it out, spend the time and it, it'll pay off. Yeah. You know, it's some people, it's a hobby and others, it's just what we do. You know, mm-hmm. I don't really have any other hobbies other 
you know, I tinker with cars and stuff that we were mess talking about before, but, you know, my passion for archery and archery hunting, you know, and everything that goes into that, uh, it's, you know, it's where I'm at other than, you know, working just to be able to do it. Yeah. So, and then the third, no, sorry, fourth deer, same stand, a little bit farther, 20 yard shot. Um, yeah, so nothing much to talk about that. It wasn't a great shot. It moved on the shot. I actually ended up spining it. Um, and it headed up over the hill and expired in a creek bed on the other side of the hill. Yeah. Um, yeah, so nothing, nothing crazy. Um, so that'll get us into November, I guess. I think that might have been the fourth year. I don't know. That was the fourth year. Somewhere in there, I missed the largest buck I've ever shot at. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I was sitting in a different stand. I'd never hunted. I actually hung the stand three or four years ago and only ever sat in it one time and just on a whim with just wind direction and wanting to be in a different location. Uh, the Tetra was the first site that we introduced the infinite adjust system on the front end. With previous sites, we had what we call a hopscotch or plug-and-play type of scope housing where you had to bolt the scope housing to the frame to find the correct location. The Tetra changed that with the infinite adjust system. So now, when you sight in your 20-yard mark, you can really fine-tune by sliding the whole scope housing up and down in this channel system. That's probably one of the biggest features to the Tetra. Another key feature of the Tetra is Ninja Star yardage wheel. Getting a better hold on the yardage wheel, especially when you're hunting and you have heavier gloves on. The Tetra does have 100 yard capabilities with the yardage tape and that's to the yard. A couple other key features of the Tetra is you get both third and second axis for even more precision. But one of the key features as far as looks goes is we've updated the front end or the housing of the Tetra. So now you have a brighter, larger uh, scope ring which helps with peep alignment as well as a built-in scope level which is just more secure. The Tetra is available in a fixed frame bracket with, with three different mounting locations as well as a dovetail or tournament edition uh, so you can adjust the distance that the scope housing is away from your bow. And the Tetra is also available in three different scope housing sizes. You get an inch and five eighths, an inch and three quarter, as well as a new four pin multiple pin head. All the heads are interchangeable. All the Tetras are compatible with any of our accessories. For more information, you can visit our website at www.hhasports.com. The property is a, it's a hilltop or a, a valley. I don't, I don't know how to describe it because there's multiple large hills. Um, they're heavily wooded, very thick. Um, but there's also hayfield, which I think this coming year they're, they actually killed it off. They're going to plant corn in it. So that'll be different for me. Hopefully yeah. better. Um, but I hunt the wood. This particular stand where I miss this deer from, uh, is right on the edge of this hay field on, on the top of the hill, whatever. It's, it's, I call it a mountain because there's literally cliffs, like 10 foot drop offs on the hillside yeah. of this. And there's a, a blacktop highway road, whatever that splits this property in two pieces. So this is 
opposite side of the property where I would shot all these other deer from. Uh-huh. Um, sitting there just kind of enjoying the scenery, I guess. And I hear yeah. this real sporadic, you know, and it, then it sounded like a squirrel, like, you know, real sporadic. And then, you know, I'm like convincing myself that there's just a big squirrel down the hill from me and working around or doing all the squirrels do. Um, and then it turned into a very steady walk, like constant. And by that time it was too late. I look over my shoulder and right in my, my one of my shooting lanes from the stand is a, I'm going to guess 165 to 170 inch deer. Oh, beautiful. I did a quick glance at the antlers to make sure I wasn't imagining and it had, you know, a fork. There was a fork on it. There was a blade. It was big. It was wide. It was tall. There's all those things that you want in a deer. And this particular stand, you know, I knew it well enough that it could turn and come out at 20 yards into the field edge or it'd keep going and come out at 40 yards because if it kept going straight, it would walk off a cliff. Yeah. So chances are either it's going to turn around and come back into my shooting lanes because uh-huh. I had two of them there or it's going to make the field edge. So it ended out going to 40 yards on the field edge. Um, made the turn like I thought it would. I had to wait for it to clear a tree branch. You know, I was calm. I was already moved on from the antlers and focusing on, you know, getting the job done. And yeah, right when I it cleared the branch, I knew the yardage, let the arrow go, and he stumbled, tripped. He didn't jump the string like like you would traditionally think, where they their whole body drops down and yeah, you know, they duck the string and they're super alert and they just take off like like normal. I guess if you want to call it normal, but uh, his. I, it's almost like he tripped, like his own, his back end dropped. I watched it plain as day, perfect mm-hmm. sight. Like his back end dropped and he took like two or three little stutter steps forward yeah. with just his front legs kind of moving his back end. And my arrow actually hit the very top of his back and a big puff of fur went off. And he, he jogged about 10, 15 feet, 20 feet, whatever, and just stopped there and looked around. You know, mm-hmm. and I was frantic to try to put another arrow on without, <laughs> without moving around too much and letting him see me where I was at, you know, and he just kind of glanced around and I'm trying to re-knock an arrow and I ranged him quick and just the, the way he moved off from where I shot, he was at 53 yards, which in a 3D shooting environment, fine, you know, yeah. but if I would have missed and put a bad shot on him at that point, you know, it would have been a worse off than just letting him walk basically unharmed at that point um i ended up trying to grunt him and stop him a few times in the next hundred yards and he he every time i grunted he would stop and look around but he basically casually walked off cut in the woods that hundred yards and never saw him again the rest of the year oh man so i gotta look back through some old footage but i'm pretty sure i got him on a video from my stand the previous year and he grew a lot and i know there's the same deer that I videoed is in several camera shots from trail cams. So hopefully we made it through the shotgun season and through the cars that travel through that property and fingers crossed. Yeah. And also we're going to put up some new Tacticam reveal X's that we picked up this year. Those um, are pretty legit. I watched uh, Ben break those down. They're really nice. Yeah. I, I picked up four of them uh, from a local box store, we'll say. And uh, also a competitor of mine, but I I love the people that work there. They're a great company. I used to work for them, too. So nothing against them. They're great. Love them. Um, 
But I so I picked up four of them this past month or so. Okay. Whenever they, whenever they launched, so the launch day and the day after, because they'd only saw us two at a time. So we ended up with four, not trying to be greedy. But we're yeah. gonna put them up and see what they do for us. And being an hour away, it's not that hard to go pull pull cards there, and we're frequently in the area. But it'll be cool to use some different resources that we haven't used before and put the Tacticam reveal to use, see what happens. Um, hopefully we catch them on camera or, or something else. I don't know. It's just going to be different with that being in corn this year instead of hayfields like it had been for the past six years or whatever that I've hunted this property. So yeah, hopefully hopefully it's a good change and we'll see. We'll adapt with like anything else. We'll make adaptations and new stands and do what we have to do to put some people on deal and myself and right. be have fantastic. fun doing it anyway. As um testimonial from Jake uh, uh Mansell. He's he was here yesterday, you shot stuff like he finished in the, in the final round there last night at the scramble, but uh he ran uh eight tacticams last year, the cellular ones. And he that's how he managed to shoot uh Yukon, his one eighty three class buck. Just beautiful, beautiful animal. I got to hold the rack and just it is just mind boggling how big it is. And then I also got to talk to uh um, Brett Smith there from Winona, he shot the 194 class there in, uh, uh, over by the southeastern Minnesota area there. And that thing was just, just beautiful. The, the, the brow tines on the mass on it. It's like this thing had a, it just, you know, it's just, he just maintained the steady course. I'm, I'm pretty confident you'll be able to take care of it this season. Yeah. I don't know. I just like shooting deer. I'm, I've never been one to hunt a specific deer. Um, antlers aren't that important to me i guess yeah I mean, everybody wants to shoot a big deer but i mean it'll come eventually it's not i don't put my pressure on it to, but this year i, I just want to see him again you know and to have that encounter is just awesome anyway but you know i like stacking does i guess <laughs> yeah, if you, you can do. shoot an old doe trick an old doe i mean bucks are dumb they get into the rut and grow crazy and they make mistakes, you know, some of them don't, some of them stay nocturnal only, and that might be that deer, maybe that's why I've never seen him, is he made that one mistake, and I made a bigger mistake and missed, but, <laughs> uh, yeah, but if you can trick an old doe into getting into seven yards, six yards, mm-hmm. that's just a, it's a completely different feeling, I guess, for me anyway, you know, I like, big bucks are cool, but does are smart, Oh yeah, they are. they're not driven by testosterone whatever sex drive whatever you want to call it exactly they just survive and they Uh get they get big and old by surviving and avoiding coyotes and people and cars and Mm -hmm. don't get chased by big bucks yeah so true kind of reminds me of my old doe i shot us back it was a winter uh, opening day gun season in minnesota 2013 13 below degree 13 below outside i didn't even have a face mask on my beard just really turned into an icicle but uh, I, I watched her take a harder doze, and uh, I knew there was a buck behind it because she was the head one. But she saw me. I was just sitting on, on, a, on a stump up against a tree. And I, I saw her. She was stomping and stomping. I didn't have a shot at her, so I was like, all right, I'll wait. Well, then she, she took the herd over, and they just went over the uh, over the hill. They just dropped down on, on a different uh, valley, and they, they came across, and went up to go, go eat. Well, then we did a, a drive about 10 o'clock, and this is about four hours later, or about three hours later when she when when we did it because we went up and had a little powwow and figured we're all gonna set for for the drive and she came back down again and it's like and her and it's like I'm I'm gonna kill you and she's just like and she stopped too she stopped at me too and then she got to about thirty yards out headshot dropped her right there she reared right up and came down but she had been shot once before but she had so much fat on her you could definitely tell she was 
five or six year olds out. Mm -hmm. We got a lot of meat out of her. I was pretty happy about that. Then the buck I was trying to go after because I knew that he, she had one. He jumped going to a, into a different ravine, and my 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 best friend shot that one over there. So it's like he got he walked out that season with an eight pointer. Yeah, that's. I just keep thinking like, so I shot that big doe that opening day. Like, how many times in the last four or five years had that big doe busted me, yeah. you know, and I finally got my payback, you know, <laughs> hopefully, hopefully, you know, I, I was consistently getting busted by a doe from a different stand, but in the same area. Yeah. Um, hopefully that was her. Then I will move on to shoot some stupider ones or something, but <laughs> I don't know. Fantastic. It's, it's part of that mentality of. Maybe I finally got rid of that nuisance doe, and it'll make it easier and make it so that those big bucks will come along because she's not, you know, blowing and huffing and stomping. Yeah. You know, so we'll see. I don't know. Or there's just going to be another big doe that takes her place, you know, so. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah. yeah. You, that's, you, that's those, you know how those does can be. I This year, I didn't, I didn't tag out this year. I didn't shoot any does this year, but... uh but I had this doe that I, I, her and I had developed this relationship because every time she smelled nose jammer, she'd come right out to me. She'd mm. come within seven yards. And I'm just sitting out there. I'm, I'm not in a ground blind. I just walk in, sit down, and I just wait for them to show up. And uh, first time she came in, she she came in at sixty yards, and she kept it. And then she saw a silhouette. She came in closer, got twenty. Then I ranged her at twelve, and I got her all the way down to seven. Then she just kind of just moved on off because it's like she wasn't very big, and I, and I thought she's like you need to yep. grow. And yep. then next time I come set out, she jumps out again. This time it's like, all right, I'm gonna shoot her. It's like so she gets out to about uh, this is the same day I forgot my rangefinder. So this story's been told a few times in the podcast, but uh, got out. I thought I thought she was at 25. She's at 20. I went right over the top of her. It's like I'm gonna shoot you one day. And it's like every time I come out there, she's out there. But this year was a different year for me because um. In uh, in October, I lost my my grandma, and I was sitting in the field, and uh, that's when I got the news. And I didn't nothing. I had a couple deer walk out there about eighty yards out, but I didn't really. I didn't. It's like I I had a different change of perspective every time. I sat about twenty three, twenty four times. Had a few does come out, and then it didn't see any bucks on on public land. But uh, you know, I just I just kind of had was use it more as a mental rest. Mm -hmm. for the year because it's like yep I, I mean I haven't been through a situation like that but that's that's my escape like I enjoy bow hunting I enjoy archery but like that's my time to to be alone and just reflect on life I guess yeah. you yeah. know like if I don't shoot something fine you know I like just being out and being by myself in the quiet just taking taking in the world around you you know um, yeah, so I, I waterfowl hunt and feather hunt too. And that's my time to go do stuff with my friends and take yeah. people out, you know, and I'll take new people out bow hunting, whatever. That's, that, you know, that's fun. And I enjoy doing that too. But a lot of times that's, I'm just going to go get away by myself, uh, and just leave all your worries behind at least yeah. for a couple hours. And yeah, so I mean, it's, it's not always about the hunt. You know, or I guess that's what you're doing, but you know, if a deer comes along, it does, it doesn't, it doesn't. You just, if you're in the right mindset, you know, you're going to get something out of the trip or, you know, you're going to see something that you didn't see on the property before, a uh, new deer trail, mm -hmm. you know, something, something that'll clue you off of maybe I should try something a little different, different tactic or just enjoy your time out 
not at work, yeah. decompress, you know. So, yeah. I did that. I was lucky enough this year that uh, we didn't have a really heavy workload for uh, for ramping up for uh, for upcoming season for a health awareness program, getting uh, service members ready to get deployment or come back. And so I was able to take – it was able to flex time off. I was able to, like, not take a lunch and be able to get off at 3. Because if I get up – if I'm able to get up at 3, get up to feel about 3.30, set up about 3.45, almost 4, and then just coast the rest of the night and then just wait until the sun comes down. And of course, it's like here I'm out there early enough, so this way then I can get my set under control and get myself positioned right. And then it's like I'll just watch the deer come right out because it's so. Because in September, it's like which our our season starts this year yep. on September 18th. In the county of hunting, we go, we can actually have the flexibility to hunt all the way until January 31st. So we have a pretty wide open season. But once the gun season hits, it kind of yep. really uh, messes with the whole. A whole ecosystem, but you know it's fun to be out there in the early season, just relax. And so, there's been a few days it's like 80 degrees out there. It's like, when I shoot a deer, it's going to be a lot of work, real fast to make sure that yep. it got to get that meat cooled down as fast as possible. Yeah, but yeah, that's that was early season for us too. That opening day, it was 80, and I was hoping that first deer I shot wouldn't go bad. You know, yeah, and it didn't, thankfully. So, yeah, it's it's different. <laughs> I mean, it's not like anything else you do. I mean, fishing is, you can fish on a hot day, you can fish on a cold day, but yeah, if you're super uncomfortable in the stand, it just makes it even worse, you know? So it's having the right gear, the right equipment, the right clothing, and knowing how to, when and how to use it, mm-hmm. is, and it's not just, you know, I'm going to climb up in a stand in my camel clothes, and not anymore. I mean, there's still people that do it, but if, you know, it's not the way I like to do things, I guess. Yeah. So uh, the preparation is ninety percent of the work, really. So got that right. Yeah, I get yeah. to get everything all ready when it, like, it's like I pay attention to what I'm working. Look at the, look at the uh, thermostat and figure out what it's going to be at, and look at where I'm going to set it. Look at the uh, I use um uh what's weather underground. They they developed in that really nice app, but mm-hmm. you can drop your pin where you're going to be going and stuff like that, and you can it'll, it'll give you a, yep. a fair. Um, breakdown of what's going to be happening with the windage and such. So it's been really nice. And yeah. it's like, I learned about this from uh, years ago when I was down in Phoenix before they even had a the because uh, we worked the paintball field. So it's like when it got 112 degrees, I was like, how are we going to put our paint so this way it doesn't melt? But then it's like as as it, as it developed into an app, I've been using it ever since there was a downloadable app. And it's like when I go to Tyrell Basin over here, it's a, it's a ski resort here, and that's what they use because it's it's far more accurate than Weather Channel. Yep. They give you they give you right down to it and change your filters and such. Very powerful app. Yeah, that's what uh hunt stand on X. Uh I use weather bug quite a bit, at least where I hunt. Like I've looked at it and be like, Oh, it's gonna start raining at eleven o'clock, eleven oh two, and I'm getting poured on, you know. <laughs> so for for me anyway, I mean weather bug's been pretty good. Um just there's a lot of technology, you know electronics and like they call it reveal cameras and cellular yeah. cameras and uh you know tro- whatever the gopros and mm-hmm. you know, even even yeah. down to the clothing level like expedition owns element uh outdoors so oh okay clothing, element clothing um they make really nice hoodies too but, I almost uh, like to, I almost like their, the hoodies. So yeah. Element makes their hoodies, or they just yep. use the fabric. Okay. Yep. So, but then even their their camo clothing, you know, has silver fabric or whatever woven into it for scent control. You know, so even the, yeah. the technology is down to the 
the clothing and footwear and under armor and you know there's all kinds of stuff you're under your base layers and stuff it's mm-hmm. you know things are designed to work as a system to hopefully bring you you know success um with that you know there's an expense involved too so yeah so you know i'm fortunate enough where you know i get to try out some things or you know i get to talk to the people that make them to decide you know if that's something I want to pursue for myself or, you know, make recommendations to customers based on what I've learned, you know, from being in the industry or whatever. So, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not just a hobby, I guess, for me. It's a business and, yeah, so, I mean, a lot of... Hello, we're at the 2020 ATA show at uh, Veteran Innovative Products, uh, an all-American made and manufactured broadhead. So we've got a new one for 2020 called the Combat Veteran 4-Blade. As you can see, 4-Blades got a lot of the same high-quality materials we used with our original 2-Blade Veteran, but the Combat Veteran has a different deployment system. How it deploys is you just squeeze a little bit on your main blades, okay, those compress, and then the broadhead opens still has our momentum management compressible blade technology so the cutting diameter is inch and a quarter by two inches on this when deployed Uh, in flight it's one inch by inch and a quarter another feature we added this year with these heads uh, is that you can exchange the bone breaching field point tip with a 125 grain setup if you would like so swap the tip out get you 125 grains instead of 100 which is big with those western hunters and then it's really simple to lock back in place roll those blades up and then it's a click and another click on the other side it's completely set in will not prematurely deploy will not rattle free solid containment 100 percent deployment every time so we've made a lot of good adjustments and refinements to it to make sure that it's guaranteed to deploy every single time so that's what's new for vip this year there's a lot of people like me out there, I guess. But yeah, I'm, we're we're both in the same boat. I mean, you 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 actually went and got yourself a shop. I created a podcast this way I could still be able to hunt because right. it's like after talking to people that actually own shops, it's like when you, when you start getting busy and you, you get a, a really good reputation, a good following, good luck trying to go hunt in the rut yeah. unless you have really yeah. trustworthy staff. That's yep. I got a good friend of mine, Austin, that works in the shop for me, with me, whatever you want to call it, um, business partner when he's around. Um, yeah, so it's it's not just me. There's a good support staff, I guess, that come along with the shop, or at least we've built it that way. Um, but there's also times where I, hey, I'm not available today. It's vacation day for my normal job. Shops close at least in the morning or whatever, and I'll go hunt the morning or the evening or whatever. Um, so, it, yeah, it's it's a challenge. Um, kids events, you know, stuff like that, school things, other functions, kind of time management becomes a big thing, I guess, and you just got to do what you got to do. That is very true, especially having a good, having a, uh, somebody in your corner, like my wife, Alicia, and then a girlfriend too as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Kayla, there we go. My Lord. I, I, I you get you get to you get to me being so many people, but it's like yeah. having somebody that's like right here, literally they're sitting right here on the table, right? Here. They're taking pictures of us. They're laughing at us, snicking at us. So. They look pretty. So yeah, that's yeah, exactly. Fun. Yeah, they're all built here. Uh, yeah, so big shout out to Kayla too. She recently, she's a new shooter. So um, we just put her on the expedition pro staff, and people are going to wonder why we put a brand new shooter onto a pro staff. Um, we're actually going to document her 
successes and failures, I guess. Her journey through yeah. archery. Um, she started shooting about two months ago. I we uh-huh. set her up with an expedition uh, escape, so a 2020 model bow, because she's shorter, had to have it fit her. You know, we it's yeah what we could get to fit her. Um, we actually started, we did a custom build. We relimbed it to a lighter draw weight because it was originally a 70 pound bow that I already had in the shop. Yeah. Um, so we're, we all custom decked it out. She said she wanted teal, her favorite color. So we started teal accessories and, you know, we built it the way she wanted it in hopes that would keep her interested in wanting to shoot it. Yeah. Cause there's a lot of people that do that. They're like, Oh, I picked up a bow and I just never really comfortable with it. And I put it down and, never got into it and, uh-huh. and it's there's the feel to it you got to be comfortable you know and have what you like have what you want you know and so based on what we could do and what was available to us um, we started that and i contacted the the actual pro staff coordinator for our area and uh, you know hey i got this is what i want to do uh, we we're going to do it regardless if yeah. you wanted to put it on the pro staff and in her situation, the only benefit would come of that is she'd get a pro staff deal on another bow, a second bow, which running through the shop ain't really a benefit other than we can put her out there as a pro staff shooter. Uh-huh. And, and this is why we're doing it. We're going to document and talk about her journey through the archery events, I guess, whatever, hunting and 3D. So this was actually her first 3D shoot ever Yeah, um, being here with us um i think she has fun she keeps telling me no but i i can <laughs> i know she's lying to me um but yeah so she got to meet you know chris and you guys and a lot of the other people that have been in big influences on my life and uh she forced herself forced me to add her as an admin to our our dust off project page and uh, the Sticks and Stones Archery page, just because she's seen how busy I am and what it takes to actually run the shop and do the dust-off project. And she's like, hey, I got some free time. I can do the write-ups for the veterans when we, we give out a bow. And she's been taking stuff, inventory that we've had in the shop and actually putting online stuff that I should have been doing all along and, you know, actually helping take over part of the operation so I can focus on, you know, helping the customers when they come in the shop and doing these things that she's mm-hmm. kind of in the front lines, but a little bit behind the scenes still. And just been a huge help to me and a big part of my life, especially in the last year or so. Um, yeah. So thank you. I love you. Awesome. <laughs> and my wife too. She's been a rock star. She, she had a little rough day. She, she started off rough. And then the first uh, target, she overshot it and we spent a good few minutes looking for it. We, we still came back with, uh, yeah. <laughs> yep, very first target of hers too. I mean, she's, I mean, being a new shooter and I understand where she's coming from and, you know, she doesn't want to shoot in front of, just put herself out there because I think she's putting more pressure on herself and I keep telling her, we just do it for fun. You know, yes. I, I don't shoot 3D shoots to be competitive. I rarely turn in a scorecard. I just do it for fun and to, to test myself. I'm, I'm shooting against myself. Yeah. Very first yeah. target shot right under it. <laughs> and I was like, you missed. And she goes, Oh, I thought so. And I was like, it hit something. She's like, yeah, I think that tree, you know, so we go down and luckily she shoots a lot enough poundage. We could, we got our arrow out of the tree. Good job on the backstops, Warren club, we didn't lose any arrows. So, uh, but we got it out. Arrow's fine. 
you know, and we moved on, you know, just like everything else in life is, it didn't work the first time, move on, you know, fine. Yeah. That was, she was very keen on making sure the one she shot better than me on that she got a picture of it to, to brag about it. So, um, but it's cool. It's, it's nice having somebody, you know, I have lots of friends that I shoot with too, but like, we do a lot of stuff together and it's nice for her to be able to see, you know, my passion and why I do what I do. And, um, I enjoy shooting with her. Mm-hmm. I think she says she doesn't like shooting, but she's lying. <laughs> uh, you know, and it's cool to watch just her growth from when she had never shot a bow at all to where we are now in just a very short amount of time. And, um, I think it'll grow with her. She, she's a good student. She asks questions and, She's expressed, and I'm like, yeah, just do it this way. And she's like, no, show me the right way or tell me the right way because I want to make sure I'm doing it right so I can be better. And that's that's cool. And she's a good student along with being a good partner in life. And um, and then she got to meet you guys and Chris and a bunch of other yeah. veterans this morning. And we all kind of talked about what we do with our organizations. And um, thanks to Badlands Packs for a cool pack and final harness. Um, that will be put to good use. Um, they donated some stuff to us veterans, um, or gave it to Chris Ham to, from HHA to give to us veterans. And, um, I don't expect anything like that in yeah. some of these events. I do it because I like it and I like supporting Chris. Um, but yeah, it's, it's cool to meet up with other veterans and friends that I've met through the years. And mm-hmm. yeah, so she got to see some of that and what, what we do besides. And she knows, you know, the veteran organizations that we work with, but actually meeting some of these people besides, you know, that I talk about them all the time. And yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's been fun. Mm-hmm. That is always exciting, especially like when you have kids involved. I mean, you, 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 if you sh- by doing what we do, we can show them that you can accomplish anything by just simply put your mind to it. Yep. And it's like, I do this podcast because I want to let her know that you can create your own adventure in life. You don't have to follow cut her life you can do what you exactly what you want to do it's like this world is free you just got to make it your own and you know. uh and this is a great way to do it it's like i've gotten to meet some amazing people like meeting you and, and kayla and and caden and a bunch of these these savages that are all come out here it's like it's always a blast it's always fun and it's like the, the amount of shit talking last night was fantastic everybody was giving everybody a group at least yeah. neither, neither one of us missed a target or Shot the wrong wrong target there, Jake. So I'm yeah. sure you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> yeah, and it's and it's cool. Like a lot of us are we're similar people. You know, we're in the archery. At least that's something we all have in common. But you know, there's a lot more similarities between everybody that was here that you don't know until you start mm-hmm. talking about them, um, or differences, and you meet people from completely different walks of life. Um, you know, the veteran community, we're all kind of similar. We have something besides archery, you know, we have being a veteran and what that entails. Um, but then some of the other people, you know, that you meet along the way that, you know, they were, they weren't a veteran or, you know, they weren't in the archery at first, but for some reason they got into it and then you realize you have other similarities or they're just, you know, cool people to talk to, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just a weird dynamic. And then you get to these things and we're all shooting competitively in quotations against each other. <laughs> and yeah. we're just having a good time. Like these are people that you've just met or don't even know at all, but you can, you know, give them some shit or, you know, and nobody's going to get offended. Nobody's mad. We're just here to have a good time and, you know, support each other. And, you know, there was a lot of 
there was a lot of shit talking, but there was also a lot of encouragement and coaching, yes. you know, and even, you know, there's some younger shooters, teenagers mm-hmm. that were shooting, you know, and they're part of 3SDA or whatever, but they're out here competing against guys that have been shooting for 20, 30 years and, and mm-hmm. com- actually competing against them, shooting well, um, you know, and it's cool to see that that's where our industry is going is more uh-huh. women, you know, there's women shooting against men, you know, and they were shooting just as well or better, mm-hmm. you know, and it, and there's a lot of shit talking, but there's a lot of encouragement and, you know, good jobs and high fives and laughs and hugs and all that stuff was going yeah. on, you know, and everybody, you know, that's the same group of people. You take these people like, Hey, we got done shooting. Let's all go sit down and eat together. And, you mm-hmm. know, all of them would be like, yeah, okay, let's do it. You know, yeah. you know, so it's cool just to see the, the environment and stuff like people and Chris has grown through the last couple of years with these HHA shoots. And it's interesting to see where they're going. Um, we talked about that a little bit this morning, uh, you know, just to see how HHA USA has developed. Um, so many other David Wooden came up from Texas. Yes. Flew in from Texas, yes. flew to Minneapolis and then drove two hours or whatever it is from Minneapolis to here. Um, just cause he met Chris, uh, through Instagram, I believe is yes. what they said. Yes, through Instagram, and yeah. A connection, religious connection that they had and, and through archery and he made I don't know how many, wherever that is, wherever he's at in Texas, you know, that's a long trip to come all the way to Wisconsin just to meet somebody and shoot with them and yeah. experience, you know, what we do here. Um, and then, you know, there's Kyle with Arden Archers and, you know, and the Dust Off Project and just all the other veterans here mm-hmm. and civilians that support, you know, HHA USA and, you know, Badlands donated packs and a lot of the veterans donated their bino harness back to Chris's support staff guys that help us out. Yeah. You know, that didn't receive anything and weren't expecting anything. So that's cool to see. You know, we handed out t-shirts to all the veterans and the people that were standing around. Um, A, because it's good marketing, it's good promotion. And B, we appreciate what you guys do and other veterans mm-hmm. and, you know, and then for some reason I talked and we dabbled on this a little bit last year, but um, my experiences with alcohol and I just mentioned that, you know, three years ago I quit drinking alcohol and then, you know, that spurred another conversation with another mm-hmm. one of the support guys here that he had been thinking about it. And so we stood around and talked about a half an hour of how I went about doing it and what I'm doing to, you know, better my life because of it and how I even got to that point. Yeah. You know, and that's, and end up with, yeah, if you ever need anything, give me a call. You know, mm-hmm. I'll help you through it. So, yeah, it's just interesting dynamic on who you meet and put yourself out there and what you'll actually get in return, I guess. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. I was the same way too. Is like when I quit uh, my my addiction to uh, to opiates and drugs. So I did a cold turkey. I didn't. Even, I did. I sobered up during a training class. So that was a a rough six seventeen days to go through the whole process. The, the training course took thirty days. And 17 of it, I was coming down. So it was, um, you just... We would like to just take a second to help you make the final decision on your new Kydex holster. We the People offers all American-made holsters designed for everyday carry. Whether it's inside the waistband or outside, these holsters are made with quality and don't break your bank like other high-end holster companies. And plus, they offer free shipping on all orders in the USA. So go have a look, and while you're at it, check out what else they have to offer. Merch link in bio revealing your testimony and then you talk about the gospel and things tend to open up doors for you and you feel mm-hmm. very welcomed because it's like 
something that you didn't like about yourself, but then other people like have that common ground. Right. Yep. And that's, I mean, that's a common thing with veterans too is drug and alcohol. I mean, we don't like to talk about it, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, if you're a veteran, you know, or connected to a veteran somehow, there's a lot of it, you know, and it's part of it's the veteran culture and then part of it's, you know, the lifestyle we lived in and what we've been through. Um, you know, so there's a stigma behind it of, you know, I'm going to keep my things to myself. I'll take care of myself and it, you know, goes into problems and, um, part of the stuff we do too are retrieving freedom. So we have my service dog with me that goes everywhere. And then mm-hmm. Arrow, who was actually a good boy, um, failed out recently from the program, but I fostered him. But, you know, people, we still put a vest on him. It's not a service dog vest. We're not trying to fake that he's a service dog vest, but he was actually sponsored by Expedition, um, through his journey. Uh, yeah. as training anyway, and then now a failure. And, and so we cut a service dog and training patch off. Um, but he still has an expedition logo and a retrieving mm-hmm. freedom logo on it. People ask, cause he's still a good boy. You know, they ask about him and about retrieving freedom and, you know, what Kayla and I do with them, you know, and, you know, why we even have dogs at a bow shoot to begin with, <laughs> you know, cause people look at me. I don't have any physical disabilities that you can see. Um, there are some, but if I had a, struggle with PTSD, you know, and part of that was my alcohol addiction, you know, and part of getting over that was, you know, having a service dog and or foster dogs was actually how I got started in getting help. Um, so, you know, for me, my story is all connected to archery, service dogs, PTSD, alcohol addiction is all interconnected, you know, and if if there's something I can share a little bit out of my life that's going to get somebody else on the right track or, you know, give them a better outlet for whatever issues they have, um, through the dust off project, um, is a good start for some people, you know, if I need something to do other than drink alcohol or drink alcohol so much or whatever, well, let me put a bow in your hand and see what that does for your mental and physical, you know, well being. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, there's, and like, I don't know. Some people it's fishing or hiking or anything else other than sitting on their couch and drinking or doing drugs or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I can understand completely understand. I have a friend of mine that's uh, her VFW uh, post 404 there in Fort, uh, Fort Mojave Valley there. And she's the commander chief there. And uh, she's the first female to make it to do it. And she gave me this pin at her wedding. So I wear it on every hat I have. It's like it's really sentimental to me. But she did the same thing. She grew up in Minnesota here. And got out of the service and had issues, but she she recognized it. She needed more sunlight in her life, so she moved to Arizona and completely changed her life. And then also um, with legalization of, of THC has been a big win for her because she was able to wean herself off the, 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 v, the VA uh, cocktail and, and actually have a very fulfilling life. Yep. Now she runs a uh, rehab facility for animals. They have something like 200 animals. They have horses, goats, pigs, turkeys, all kinds of fun stuff. <laughs> Sounds about like our house. We got five dogs and a hedgehog right now. So, yeah, lots of... Oh, I forgot and, about They do have three or four dogs, too, as well. So, yeah, they, yeah. they, they are a big uh, home of love. Yep. But, uh, yeah, so it was cool just talking to these other veterans, you know, hearing more of their stories. Um Chris asked David to, you know, say a prayer, which I'm not super religious, but, you know, through my process, I'm starting to become more that way of, you know, I'm not my own person. There's somebody else out there or something else out there. 
Um, you know, we, we gave away our shop shirts who are all designed by MAG, Military Apparel and Gear. Um, so we gave away some dust off project shirts and, uh, and the shop t-shirts to a couple guys. Um, but so that's another veteran organization or group that on Facebook, they're a military family. Yeah. Um, but my buddy Mark kind of who owns them owns it. I guess he runs it as a nonprofit. Um, so all the money, all the profits they make from their shirt sales and hat sales and yeah. everything else they do and fundraisers that they do, it all goes back to other veterans organizations. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a veterans organization that is helping other veterans organizations. So it's, it's super cool. I mean, I could easily go to anybody else and be like, here, make me this shirt. You know, this is what I want printed. Um, but we chose to pay a little bit more and go through him because a, I trust him and B, you know, he's doing other good things with the money that he makes from us. And that's, you know, it costs a little more. It's like supporting your local businesses or, you know, shop local is same thing. I'll pay a little bit more for the convenience and I know where the money's going to. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, so that gets us back where we're talking about the softest shirts ever. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We've, uh, we purposely, picked materials and designs that we do because they're extremely comfortable. We want you to be comfortable in life and, you know, support us. And they're, that's the biggest compliment we always get is, yeah, the shirts look really cool, but damn, these are the most comfortable, softest shirts we've ever had. So yeah, there's some method to our madness there. And um, yeah, so we enjoy doing what we do and yeah, supporting other veterans organizations and other events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, arrows, arrows coming over. He's a Mexico boy. Yeah, he likes his. He apparently likes my nails across his his belly and his ribcage because he just keep every time I come near him, he just like I'm gonna go on my back and give me give me some belly lovings. So yeah, Yeah. like even with my organization, I I fell in love with uh, the company I'm working for right now because of uh, Don Weber, and he is a Vietnam vet that's a serial entrepreneur, and he's just got a huge heart, and it's like uh, retired last year, and he just is a magnificent person. But he started his company to help. Take care of a a missing gap in the uh, health readiness program for service members and such. So it's just uh, I get to work with um, reservists, early applicants for the EBEPS, then I get to work with vets. So it's like I get to work with all the entire spectrum of it all, and just it's fun. And right now we're we're ramping up the southwest corner of of the United States, and so talking to people where I used to hang out in in uh, in Phoenix and Mesa and Arizona. So it's like I get to I I just like working with veterans because it's so much fun, and plus get to have conversations with them and listen to their journeys and such. Cause you get to talk to a lot of really unique people, met some really nice people that way. You know, that's yeah. Uh, if I wasn't doing what I do for work now, it, that would be my next big venture is either running my bow top shop full time and, or working for a, a veterans organization of some sort. Um, well, yeah, that's, that's the cool part about the dust off project is it, it brings veterans in. Um, and I, we always, I mean, it's cool that we give away bows and I, I love that part of it, but I, I get to hear veteran stories and, you know, some of them don't open up and tell me about their experiences or, you know, they don't have an experience, but they're still a veteran. They didn't deploy, you know, that doesn't matter. You know, you still, at one point in your life, you made a decision to, you know, put your name on the line and, you know, your life, I guess, uh, you know, so but it's cool just that, hey, you know, I did these things for training or, you know, some don't say it's like, hey, you know, I was this and this and this, but I didn't deploy. Um, but I get to hear those veteran stories and that's, 
that's the big thing. We always do a write up on Facebook of, you know, this is the equipment they got, but here's this other whole paragraph of their, their veteran experience and their, yeah. their journey through the military. Um, and that's, that's what really gets everybody's attention is, you know, or I hope it does anyway, is uh, the part that I enjoy the most. I don't know how, how we want to take that, but, you know, we're putting that veteran stories out there and, and hopefully getting them, you know, if they want it or not, uh-huh. um, some recognition for what they at one point in their life decided was something they wanted to do and, you know, what they sacrifice for everybody that they get to see that in writing as, as much or as little as they want to share. Uh-huh. Um, but it gets that connection back to people that want to thank them for their service. And we definitely thank them for their service. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So it's really cool. This, it's a cool experience to be able to take it, give a, put a bow in somebody's hand that wasn't expecting anything at all for free, yeah. you know, and, you know, watching them, shoot for the first time or the first time in a long time mm-hmm. uh, you know and just see almost the instant gratification they get out of you know this is something i enjoy or i want to pursue uh so it's it's uh it's really hard to explain unless you're there but it's it's a cool experience and or you hear a story like all the way back we're gonna bring this back to chris deets and his story of you know how he got that bow you know and how he came about and he's coming to these shoots with us and yeah doing some of the things I've been doing for years, you know, uh-huh. independently funding myself, he got in it, you know, relatively inexpensive and he's getting enjoyment out of it. And no, he got to meet those people that got him to this point, you know, and it's cool. It's a really cool, humbling experience to say yeah. the least. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. You actually got to reunite with one of his friends from, from, uh, from camp, boot camp for someone we went on with deployment. So that really? was, yeah, really? he came down from Appleton and, they had a nice conversation. They sat in here and they BS'd and gave each other grief. And he got to meet the gentleman. I, uh, yeah. For life, I can't remember his name. But you see, he's like, those guys just hit it off. And it's like, told him, it's like, when are we going to get a bow in your hand? And so like, he's just, uh, we, he, we haven't, he hasn't quite been sold yet, but I think we can get a, get a bow in his hand. Because yep. the, the, what it does for your mental health, whether you're, you're for military, Leo officer, yep. anything, it's like, it just really helps you out, especially like if you, Having a tough day at work, or if you need, it, or meditation, it's a great meditation factor too. Yeah, we, I think we joked about this last year when we were talking too, but I've never met a sad person with a bow in their hand. <laughs> yeah, that's so, yes, very true. We I mean, did talk about that. It's one of those things where if you, I mean, you can always force yourself to think about the bad things in life that are going on, but you know, ninety percent of the time, most everybody that I know, anyway, once they're shooting and they're into their rhythm, of, you know, through their draw cycles and shooting or whatnot. They forget everything else that's going around in them. It's just them and their bow, and they're focused on, you know, the task at hand of putting that arrow safely downrange or whatever. Um, so, I mean, and that's not even just doesn't pertain to just military or law enforcement. That's that's anybody, regular yeah. civilians. You know, it's it's a stress reliever. It's good therapy. There's it's a lot more physical than you would think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, walking back and forth down range, you know, so you're, you're actually moving your body when you shoot, you're using muscles that the best way to describe it. And you know, if you're doing proper form, you know, what people would describe, you know, you're using muscles that maybe carpenters and swimmers are the only other people that use those, those muscle groups, you yeah. know, uh, you know, a lot of people will say that and like, man, I don't, I'm struggling to pull my bow cause I don't ever use this shoulder muscle for anything, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's, there's a lot to it that 
you know, it's good for your mind, body, soul, spirit, you know, and I'm there's, definitely there's always, we talked about this too, there's always <laughs> subgroups of things, you know, mm-hmm. so the veteran community, we have, you know, hunting and outdoors, there's, you know, service dogs or dogs in general, there's cars, you know, but every aspect of life, you there's always subcultures and subgroups mm-hmm. of everything, you know, um, but yeah, even, you know, bow shoot, there's, you know, there's hunters only, there's mm-hmm. guys that, you know, different classes of boat, and so there's always something for everybody in the archery industry, target only, there's guys that yeah. only target shoot that have no desire to step foot in the woods, Yep. you know, but, you know, there's something in the archery industry that caters to that. There's 100%. guys that only bow hunt, you know, and have no, no idea or no desire to shoot a spot tournament ever, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. shooting paper is, doesn't interest them, but they want to shoot deer. They want to hunt, you know, so yeah. Yeah. it's a very interesting and broad dynamic and it's cool that you can bring people into any of those, you know, and give them something that's good uh-huh. for their mind, you know, so. That you don't have to be a hunter. Point. You don't have to be. You don't have to be only interested in target. You can, like me, try to do it all and never have enough time too. But yeah. you know, so there's guys that only shoot 3D foam and don't want to hunt and don't want to target. You know, it's, it's crazy how much differences and similarities there are between all these subgroups, like we were talking before. So exactly, man. We've 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 hit a lot of powerful topics this this uh, podcast here. It's really nice having you back on. I'm glad the desktop project's really soaring through i'm glad to meet kayla too that she's she's down on board and she's getting she's feeling the love she's feeling the appreciation there's no there's no uh competition no pressure but uh yeah. why don't you give the people the, the best ways to reach out to you so this way they can uh donate uh find out more about your your uh organizations uh, so uh if you look us up on facebook it's the dust off project by sticks and stones archery is the actual the facebook yeah sorry long-winded Dust off project by Sticks and Stones Archery, um, or just Sticks and Stones Archery. You can message me through that. Look me up personally. I do a lot of the stuff just one on one behind the scenes through personal Facebook message. Um, I'm on Instagram. I think it's at Sticks and Stones Archer. Yeah, Sticks and Stones Archer on Instagram. I have Twitter, but I have no idea what that is, but I'm sure you can look me up. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think that's it. I don't know. Man, you did a good job. You know the right topic. So I'll, I'll I'll definitely post all the information in the show notes. This way, then the people who reach out just like we had last time when I posted the your last episode we were on here last year. Yep. So, man, thank you yeah, again, you Tyson, for coming back on the podcast. And I think we'll have to get the Christmas together and do a podcast. Probably yeah. do go down there at uh, Sticks and Stones. Yeah, we'll get in the middle of a Chris sandwich or something weird, <laughs> something weird like that. But uh, <laughs> Bill, yeah, gotta love so, the military here. Humor. Yeah. Uh, uh, big thank you to to you guys. Um, Welcome, Chris Ham. All my people I post that for that support me through what we do. Anybody that's donated to the Dust Off Project. Um, yeah, it's it's been an awesome journey in the last two years, I guess, for us now, a little over two years, and hopefully, you know, we keep growing this the Dust Off Project brand. I guess if that's what you want to call it now. Yeah, and, I get it. You know, the Sticks and Stones Archery, you know, they kind of go hand in hand, but yeah, it's, it's been, it's been great. We appreciate all the customers, all the support, all our friends, family that have, you know, pushed us to where we're at now, and we're gonna hopefully keep doing great things for people and see where it takes us. Yeah, thank you. 
Well, thanks, Jeff. Thank you.